My number one album. Big shocker to me. Also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Well, just is that. Like, it's a perfect album. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey, it's the Spark Parade, a show where I talk to amazing people about the art and culture that's shaped their lives. I'm Adam Unz, so glad you could join me. Coming up a bit later on in the show, you get to hear my fantastic chat with Jess Peterson, who is the CEO and executive producer at Mighty Oak, a creative studio specializing in handmade animation and design. Jess is super talented and super smart, and you are definitely going to want to check out her work when you're done listening to this episode, but let's not get ahead of ourselves, eh? I spoke to Jess about her love for iconic. 1980s sitcom The Golden Girls and musical genius and gift to humanity Missy Elliott. Am I showing any bias with that description? No. That is a fact-based description of Missy based on empirical evidence. Are you excited to hear that conversation? I'm sure you are, but tough shit because you have to listen to me blabbing and rambling for a bit first. Would that be blambling? Maybe. We'll think about that another time. Workshop it a little bit. Anyway, I wanted to talk a bit about our emotional connection to art. Jess and I talk a bit about how her feelings about the Golden Girls have changed over time, and that got me thinking about my simple emotional connection to the art I love the most. Sometimes those emotions are pretty uncomplicated. I can look at Claude Monet's paintings and be overwhelmed by their beauty, but the emotional reaction is a bit muted. I'm reacting to something that is objectively beautiful, but I don't have any particular personal link to that work. It doesn't spark specific memories from my life, so I'm really just enjoying a beautiful piece of work at face value. But then there are artworks with which I have a much more complicated relationship. I can't listen to Otis Redding's music without being overwhelmed by a flood of emotions and memories. His songs make me think of listening to records in the living room of my childhood home during a heat wave in a Minnesota summer, and they make me think of being driven to school and work and play rehearsals, and they make me think of sitting in a Boston house chair, getting stoned with my college friends. But mostly, they're just a way to remember my dad. Sometimes an Otis Redding song will come on in a coffee shop and I feel totally immobilized with grief or just overwhelmed with memories of him. And the best art, the art that really affects all of us, gets so ingrained in our emotional lives that it sends us down this memory rabbit hole anytime we come in contact with it. Music is particularly dangerous in this respect because it can really sneak up on you. You're minding your own business, having your pumpkin spice latte, and all of a sudden you're crying because I've been loving you too long comes on their playlist and it makes you miss your dad. 
But I think that's great. Even if it sometimes ruins my day for a few minutes, it's also an emotional tool. I know I can access those feelings much more easily when I play the music that triggers them. It works with happy times too, remembering my wedding or remembering the days that my nieces and nephews were born. All those milestone moments in my life have artistic triggers that help me recall those days with a clarity that wouldn't be available to me without them. It's like having a sensory superpower. I've got this box of artistic tools that can transport me to all the biggest moments in my life whenever I want. And that's a pretty special ability to have in your back pocket, wouldn't you say? All right. Okay. Great. Thanks for letting me get all of that out. Shall we get to the crux of the matter then? I think we shall. Here's my chat with Jess Peterson about the Golden Girls and Missy Elliott. Uh, so, Golden Girls. Yes. Um, did you watch it when it was originally on or was it just uh i mean it was in syndication like reruns forever right yes yeah i mean i think by the time i was old enough to watch it it was it was ending so Mm -hmm. i was catching the reruns of golden girls um as i was a young girl and it wasn't really it wasn't something like my parents watched or even my grandparents um but i would catch it sometimes and i think you know when you're little things kind of You observe, but it doesn't really stay with you necessarily. It wasn't a show that I was obsessed with as a child. Right. Um, But it was there, you know, Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s. Yeah. And then um, when I moved, when I went to college, I went to college in Boston, Mm -hmm. and uh, my roommate and I, you know, you're sharing a small dorm room (laughs) and you've got your beds that are pretty much touching. We had a little TV and one of the few shows that we could get, um, you know, on our basic cable antenna was Golden (laughs) Girls. And it was just a really relaxing, especially freshman year. You know, I like I enjoyed my college experience, but you're you're away from home and you're kind of figuring things out. And it was like, here's here are your grandmas, you know, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. here with you. And so mm. we'd watch it. I mean, not every night, but we'd watch it a lot to go to sleep. And it was just really nice and comforting. And then I left college and like that was kind of the end of it. I didn't really think about the Golden Girls as much. You know, they were someone like a, a group that I I enjoyed watching in college, but I moved on. And mm-hmm. then I moved to New York. And um, and again, you know, occasionally I'd bring them up. And I, I love, B. Arthur was my favorite of all the mm-hmm. ladies because mm-hmm. I think she reminded me of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, her deadpan comedy was just, like, it spoke to me <laughs> in such a way. Um, and so, you know, I talk about them a little bit, but it actually wasn't until, um, so I, I moved to New York in 2006 and I worked for a couple years here in the industry. I started off in music and I decided the recession happened and I decided I didn't love my job, but I didn't know what else I could do. I had no skills and there weren't a lot of job opportunities. And so I left my job to go back to grad school, which was a risk mm. and, um, learned about media studies and museums. And I came out of that space looking for a job and it took six months to find my next opportunity, which in hindsight doesn't sound like a long time, but it was a devastating, for me, I like I live by my career and my work, and yeah. so to be unemployed for six months felt like an eternity. Yeah, and, I was so and when, you're in, when you're in that space and you don't oh, yeah. know when it's gonna end, oh, it's like, absolutely. is this it? <laughs> yeah, and you're regretting, like why did I leave my job and what's wrong with me? That was such a stupid decision. And so I would sit there, uh, yeah, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd start, you know, right away looking for, you know, looking at jobs, thinking about my career. And I'd put the Golden Girls on in the background. And that's, I think, when I really formed <laughs> this bond, you can say, mm-hmm. with the ladies of the Golden Girls. Um, like, they kind of saved me, which sounds dramatic. But 
it, like there was such hope and humor and comfort in every episode that I would just keep it on repeat. I, I bought the box set of DVDs when I still have a DVD player and I would just play them. I wore them out. I had to buy a second box set <laughs> like oh a year later. <laughs> um, and my now husband was my boyfriend at the time. I mean, I made him watch it. My mm. roommate at the time, like everyone had to get involved, had to know all the, the trivia. I was, I just became obsessed it was like the thing i could hold on to because it was the thing that i think made me feel safe mm. and so um so that's that's i think the, that was the beginning of it all and then you know from there obviously i did find a job and you know good things came and you know <laughs> yes. life moved on yes, yes, yes. but i but i just i was so grateful like it mm. sounds so silly but there's really you know there's those things that stay with you and i i think like whether it's a song or a show like there's there's things that kind of you know lift you up through bad times i think especially in the bad times is when we remember the most. We like hold on to those memories of what got us through. Yeah. And so that was them. So yeah. um, now I'm known. I am known as the Golden <laughs> Girls expert. I have won many trivia contests. I have lots of memorabilia in my house. And I feel like now all of a sudden, I feel like maybe the last four or five years, the Golden Girls also have become this like this iconic I don't know there's there's a, a real movement of golden girls fanatics mm -hmm. that have come up through the ranks which yeah. is cool so it's no longer as as weird of a show to be in love with yeah an and adult. especially this last year since it's all gone on Hulu everybody oh my God, yeah. has you know it's it's so much more accessible than um, it has been in the past and you don't have to like invest any money extra money in buying box sets right. or anything like that well like right it's a it's a blessing because i don't have my dvd player anymore i was mm. like i kept it only for the show and i was the thing was falling apart and i was like do i buy another one it's only for this show right. is it really worth it so um yeah i'm very grateful that it's on hulu now yeah, um, yeah. yes 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 indeed um also just i i i love the evolution of your relationship with the show because i think that happens a lot with artworks that yeah. um you know have been a part of our life for our lives for for our whole life or for a significant part of our life that it's yeah. like your relationship with the show when you're a child is one thing and it's kind of this thing that's just it's just another sitcom it's something that's on tv and yeah. you know if you catch see a bit of it and i remember that that was my feeling as a kid as well mm -hmm. and it's like i didn't you know, have any really strong feelings about it. It was just like, I kind of, I thought it was okay. And I'd, you know, it, it would be on and I'd see it. Right. Um, and then you get to a kind of studenty relationship where it's like this one thing that, you know, you can kind of bond with your, your roommate over and it's kind of becomes more of a comfort and, you know, it just, yeah, that progression of, um, developing, uh, a different relationship and getting new things out of something. Yeah. Um, it's so amazing. Well, there's so much. I actually, okay, I'm going to look at, I, I wrote down, because I, I wrote down my notes on why do I love the Golden Girls? I was really sitting there <laughs> thinking, like, what about it, this mm. show that, like, just triggers such happiness for me? So I wrote down mm. a few lists. Okay. Um, soft lighting. I just, the, they all look so good <laughs> in that lighting. I love it. It's just this dreamscape. And the mid-century furniture, I'm a big fan. Yes. Um, the 80s color palettes and fashion. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, they just combined all of my favorite things and like who I want to be and who I try to be today yeah. um, the musical numbers mm -hmm. also I mm -hmm. come I mean obviously as I mentioned I worked in the music industry up until I guess the past five years when I you know started my own company I had worked in music I thought I'd be a musicologist I've always loved music I grew up with my grandparents and my mom playing musicals and mm. so there's that tie to like an old school tradition that they would just weave in in maybe a cheesy way, but it just felt so funny and right, you know? So yeah. um, some musical numbers was one. And then just like this group of 
older women who were so freaking funny, just like mm-hmm. the, the, they didn't miss a beat. Even if like the lines weren't the best written in the world, like they just delivered. Like each individual actress is so talented. And I think they gave me one, they, again, they reminded me of my grandparents and like my love for old, old shows and TV. But I think it also gave me, even as a young person, I don't know, hope for who I can be when I'm older. I think I'm, mm. Wouldn't say I worry a lot, but I think a lot about who I will be as an older person. One thing I don't want to do is be old, like mentally, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. want to. I see friends who are kind of already, you know, starting to say, well, I I think, you know, like there's no good music out there or what's going, you know, they they, they just sound old. And I never want to be that. I'm always curious and interested in in like in new experiences and I feel like the the ladies also offered that like they were touching on subjects back then that were really taboo for mm-hmm. those standards even by today's standards right. we don't touch upon some of the subjects that they talked about mm-hmm. um, they were talking about the AIDS epidemic and crisis they were talking about interracial marriage um, that episode resonated with me because I'm in one and so mm-hmm. I watch it later like there's just mm-hmm. an episode for almost every time you know every kind of you know challenge I've had I'm like oh there's an episode where that thing happened <laughs> yeah. and of course like we're solving it in a 30 minute 80s you know montage right. um, but I I really enjoyed I enjoy having those experiences to look at I don't know it's just it gives you the warm and fuzzy feeling and I think now running a company that specializes in stop-motion animation and puppets and play like I do actually pull those those feelings into the work we do and some weird like if I'm really thinking about it like the that feeling it's like not something that you can explain but there's like a wink and like a hug and there's like something Mm. about the content from that show that I want to bring into the work I do now. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 And I also really relate to that. I, one of the things that attracts me to it, uh, to the golden girls is that the premise initially was, you know, they wanted to make a show about older women and taking that seed of an idea and giving each of those characters this like full emotional life, making them all smart and engaged and interesting and like you know people who have real lives instead of just like oh it's a show about the olds and you know (laughs) put making them kind of caricatures instead of making them believable and you know they all had there are little things about them that can kind of make them fit into categories like the southern bell and the uh dits from minnesota or whatever right taking those again seeds of ideas of who those characters should be and developing them into people who were fully realized and had these complex relationships with each other and they yes. were they were friends they didn't always get along with each other but they really loved each other and really cared about each other and having all of that stuff bubbling under the surface yeah. of this again yeah. 30 minute sitcom where it was you know definitely encapsulating things um and it had to fit into that those time constraints but doing it so well and with such amazing humor it's still hilariously funny it is yeah it's it holds ground in a way that um no offense to designing women but designing women doesn't always do as well in every episode because I loved that show too when I was when I was younger um and I really I give a lot of credit to the actresses as well Mm -hmm. I mean I think especially as I get older I just think about the level of professionalism that they had Mm -hmm. and there's something and I also think you know again if as if I'm to unpack all of this um their background in theater I think also is something that I must subconsciously be very 
attracted to. Um, my mom was a kindergarten teacher for many years, but before that, she was a professional storyteller. Mm. Uh, and she's actually back on the circuit now. She, oh. she performs regionally, and she tells, she actually reads um, historical, you know, uh, articles and transforms it into stories and tells, she's got her senior citizens and children's locations, like she knows her market, um, and she travels. And when I was little, she and I used to tell stories together. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and a troop. It was yeah. me. I was like the youngest by decades. But I think, but the idea of like the love of theater also must play something into that too. Because I mean, they're also over the top in their performances mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, like the gall and the shock and like the, the one-liners. I mean, they're, they're all a little over the top, but like done so well. There's just, I don't know, there's, there's something about their performances that I think could have gone into some hokey, like it just could have gone a different way with, the, with a different performer yeah and there's just something so special about what they were able to put together i mean similar to other great shows like seinfeld you know it's just like those four people made a show that was so right you know Mm -hmm. or in my opinion yeah something about the way they connect and like the way they deliver lines that i think um can live on so much longer than their time you Mm -hmm. know so i feel like i i put golden girls in that category so someone can fight me on that (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh, you know i think a combination of the chemistry between the actors the the way that the show was produced and like you said the subject matter that was discussed you know people talking about someone coming out as gay at a time when people weren't really talking about those kinds of things right and really dealing with difficult subject matter or not stereotypical uh, sitcom subject matter right? and dealing with it sensitively and intelligently and really progressively. Um, and I think, yes. you know, that comparison to designing women, like designing women was inspired by Golden Girls and was right. kind of created as a, um, oh, if we can do a show <laughs> yeah. with four women that are older women, well, we can do it with professional women too. Yeah. Um, I mean, which is great. And also like bring all these shows back. Like let's right. do more of those. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. But I think, like you said, I think that the Golden Girls was more successful at incorporating those elements of putting progressive issues front and center without yes. it seeming like it was something that had been like intentionally introduced as like a very special episode of the Golden right. Girls, you know? Well, it um, felt authentic. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think, to my understanding at least, I mean, I think that the women themselves also really cared about these issues. Um, like B. Arthur was always very involved in the LGBTQ community. I mm-hmm. believe that she's got, there's a there's a, a home yeah. right now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Named mm-hmm. after her yeah. uptown, yeah. And Betty White, obviously, her mm-hmm. love for animals, yeah. and it would, I mean, so she and I are on the same page there. <laughs> so there's just, there's so many, I think there's, there were so many overarching layers between, again, the actresses and the writing, and I guess to that point, the writers. Like, there was ju- just some chemistry. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't always predict how those things are going to work, but it was just so right. And the fashion, oh, the fashion is yeah. just, yeah. it's just so good. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think... It says something. I, I think. I think I'm getting this fact correct. That it's one of three sitcoms ever that has had all of the leads win Emmys. Huh. Um, Interesting. And, you know, I think with uh, sitcoms that have you know four or five lead characters who are in every episode, and you know, even if one of them takes. Uh, the forefront in, in a certain episode that they're all kind of present and that it's an ensemble that it's at least in you know my trying to rack my brain for other examples yeah. where, where there's a cast that was as solid thinking about having everybody be 
an equal part of the story mm-hmm. and having the performance be that excellent and everybody being so good in their role yes. um, that, yeah, it makes sense that that's, it's one of the, the very, uh, a very few number of casts that have all had that um, could do it. people honored in that way. Yeah. 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 I mean, right. Yeah. And, and now, I mean, Golden Girls on Broadway, there's a Golden Girls yeah. cruise yeah. experience. You yeah, can take yeah. that part of me as much as I love them feels insane. I don't know if I want to be on both people for a week, but maybe I'd love it. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah. An amusement um, park, perhaps? Yeah. yeah. It's the closest I've ever gotten to being a mega fan, like in my adult years. I, mm-hmm. You know, when you're little, of course, you're obsessed with things, but this is the one thing that's carried through for me as an adult. And I think it is because of what it what the women stood for for and stand for and like what that show offers and again it's 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 the stories they told and I really do feel like it's this it's just it's a comfort I don't Mm. know it's there's just something so comforting about how they told those stories and I think with age comes wisdom and I think that's maybe also why we watched some people like that love it like me watch it and feel like we're getting lessons out of it even if it's silly you know yeah yeah. and I think another part of it is having this base of kindness that in in everything that happened in the show even if you know Dorothy is teasing people or yeah um uh if there's any animosity it's always either lighthearted or it, any real tension is yeah. with people who are outside of that yeah. circle normally like you know Dorothy's ex-husband and and right. things Stan. like that yeah um but again it's still built from this base of kindness. And um, I think that explains a lot of the warmth that people feel about it. Right. It all comes from a good place. But actually, to that point, I kind of love that Dorothy wasn't always so nice because Mm. that was another Mm -hmm. thing that I loved about her was, again, even as a young girl watching it, like I was really into this woman that didn't feel like she had to be like saccharine sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, She didn't have to apologize for things. She didn't have to act like she didn't know the answer. I resonated with with that feminist, um, you know, mentality like right away. And I didn't know what that meant. I I think in the 80s and 90s, like we're speaking in a different term today, of course, so it's hard to even remember. Mm -hmm. But being young and coming from a fairly small town, my my mother, who's my mother, is a strong feminist, but it was one of the few that I knew mm-hmm. in town. I didn't know a lot of moms that worked. Um, I didn't know a lot of women that sounded like they spoke up for themselves. I had friends' moms who would say, you know, I went and I bought a little something for myself. Don't tell the person's dad. You know, um, there was there was still this kind of old school way of thinking that I didn't know why, but drove me nuts mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was little. And so seeing you know Dorothy Spornak come through with this like honestly give no fucks mentality was so inspiring i just loved watching her like make her way through life and there weren't a lot of stories like that i feel like you know i think about other shows that were popular at the time at least for my age group and it was like you know saved by the bell and Mm. jesse spano who was Mm -hmm. the feminist was like made fun of all the time right for being too, you know, whatever, too aggressive or too assertive or whatever it was. And and you could almost find yourself going, yeah, like, why does she have to be so... I found myself being like, why is she so mean to right, them? You know, right, it, like, right, right. you just fall into that mentality. And again, watching, because there's a softness about someone being a little older, someone can get away with a little more, no matter mm-hmm. what they talk about. I think that was a nice entryway 
for the story to come out. And of course, then as I got older, I watched her on all the family and I was like, oh, she's been this badass for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you. Mm. <laughs> and it was honest, it like in some way, one of the you know many women in my life, you know, who kind of inspired me to be at least confident in, in knowing the answer, like mm-hmm. just not being afraid to raise your hand because, you know, and be smart. And, you know, there, there was just something really cool about her I get, that, that I felt anyway. So yeah. I want to give her credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of toughness, I think it, it was like she could be really hard on the people that she loved, yeah. but in a way that was most times constructive. And it was like trying to help her friends and trying to support them right even if she was angry right well she was the leader i mean and that's the joke of any show right like the three stooges like moe's right is moe's that's the mean one is right mm. moe larry and curly moe's the one yeah <laughs> like who's the tough guy uh we gotta do that i mean she kind of played that character in this mm-hmm. setting and uh, but usually that was seen i mean honestly even still today it's a it's a fine line of of having that level of leadership and assertiveness without coming across as mean as mm-hmm. a woman and I find that to be very interesting because you it just doesn't work the same way uh yeah. when you're thinking about men in the workplace who seem strong and mm-hmm. there's that constant battle you know even as and as a business owner now I find myself feeling that am I is, am I nice enough and is it about being nice or is it about being fair and good and respectful and you know I found that that show to your point she might be a little sassy sometimes, but she was, there was respect amongst them. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, now I'm, I'm really, we're pulling here. This is like, I'm really yeah. stretching this idea of what I do to what the Golden Girls do. Um, but I find some sense in it. You pick up little pieces from anything you observe. And so there's probably some of that in me yeah. <laughs> somewhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point that it's like, I, I don't think it's a secret that the way that women are allowed to behave in a business environment or even anywhere. Right. Um, The range of emotions that women are allowed to display compared to, you know, with men, there really are no limits um, or the, the, uh, the limits are broader at least. And with women that especially, you know, being assertive or uh, displaying any characteristics that could be perceived as, angry or confrontational that that's something that on the golden girls that dorothy was allowed to be assertive yeah say exactly what she thought right and it wasn't dealt with in a way that was like you know oh she needs to calm down no at least in my memory i can't remember anybody saying like oh god she's so much she needs to well i mean they would as much as they left it any one of themselves, right, but right, which right. is which was again the the joy. She was a caricature. I mean, she was she was a lot, but I, and otherwise, what would be interesting, you know, if they weren't all a bit of a character. Yeah. But yeah, I like that it wasn't. But I like that she she didn't become an unlikable character because of it. Mm-hmm. That's what I liked is that she was still really likable and enjoyable to watch, and still a very strong presence. And I found that was something I hadn't seen much of growing up until that point. Is like yeah. to be very strong, very assertive and still be likable. You could mm-hmm. be like, because people love to hate that character too, right? Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like Ursula and Little Mermaid, like you can mm-hmm. be nasty and, and or sassy or whatever and be the bad, the, the villain, right. um, but not still be, uh, you know, admired. So mm-hmm. that was something very, I, I think that I look back on and like, and see and admire about her yeah. and, and the cast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, clunky... Segway <laughs> alert. Yeah. Uh, speaking, let's let's try it this way. 
Speaking of uh, powerful women. Strong women. Strong women. Yeah. Uh, Missy Elliott. Yes. My God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. My dream. Yeah. So, so, I mean, same entry point as, as always with me. Do you remember, uh, do you have a specific memory of encountering her for the first time? Sure. And I mean, it's probably the same as a lot of people. I mean, the rain video mm-hmm. blew my mind. Yeah. It was it was unlike anything I'd ever seen and it was weird, a little creepy. Um, and, and again, like just women playing outside of the, the norm and the comfort zone. Yeah. And I really didn't, like I think back in it now, I didn't know why I enjoyed that so much when I was mm-hmm. younger. It's only now that I can reflect and like and see what I, you know, that these people were helping me kind of navigate my my voice and what I wanted to become. And I think I've grown to appreciate Missy more and more over the years because what I saw was a was a really interesting and, and um, artistic entertainer, and I've come to learn that she is a that she is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of the songs she's produced, the artists she's worked with, like the lane that she's built for mm-hmm. for, for artists in music, like the, you know, let's just taking gender out of it. Like she is just her brain is somewhere else. She's a visionary in such an interesting way. And broke through the noise, like 97 when that album came out. I'm a big, so I love my, I love my musicals and my soft lighting and my mid-century furniture. And then like, I'm a huge hip hop head <laughs> and really, uh, yeah, really, well, into all, I shouldn't say just hip hop. I love all music, but I have a very strong love for hip hop. And in particular, that was a good year. There was a lot of good music coming out. Um, art, I mean, Buster Rhymes had a new album. Master mm-hmm. B had a new album. Um, oh God, now I have, I'd have to go look back. I mean, there was so much coming out at that time. This is actually right after, it was right after Tupac and Biggie, like right after they passed. I think No Way Out had come out around that time. Right. So there had been a lot of, like the idea of like gangster rap and, and violence was really, had like hit a peak and everyone was kind of taking a break and figuring out like where to go from here. and. Puff Daddy was out there singing songs like I'll Be Missing You, which, I mean, I love the man and appreciate who he is, but it is the worst song <laughs> yeah. in hip-hop history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but everyone was trying to, like, gather their footing as to, like, where we go next. Like, this was a thing, but now we're, like, we're realizing this, you know, there was, there was trauma there. We had, and I, I mean, I'm now speaking for the entire music community, but it just, that's what it felt like. Where do we go? And everyone's singing, like, tribute songs, and it was, a, you know, it was weird. And then 97 happened, and people were like, we're going to get weird with it. Mm-hmm. And so, and, like, Buster Rhymes also a huge, a huge fan of. And he came out with, I think, When Disaster Strikes. And, again, all these men coming out with, like, incredible albums, and then, like, this woman comes out with an album that is just as fierce and just as interesting and, like, blew the socks off of, I mean, anyone that was listening to hip-hop at that time. There, I'd never heard anything like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first introduction. That's a long-winded story. But that was it. <laughs> yeah. That was the first time yeah. I, I was like, okay, who's this? And then I'd see her on Aaliyah tracks and albums. Mm-hmm. I would listen to her and Timberland and Magoo and Genuine all doing these compilations and like just feeling like they had a really good time. And again, in a sea of of a lot of men, there's this one woman coming through who always had like the coolest verse mm-hmm. and the most, and, and, and then I come to find out she's producing the whole thing on top of it. And right. I was like, what this is, there's some genius to that. And again, thinking about what I do now, being behind the scenes and wanting to curate and like just hearing things and going, yeah, but if we only did this or if we could add a little bit more here and like just kind of know, just feeling around and having that intuition is something I strive for and I want to do, you know, continue to improve on my end. Um, and I see her doing that in her work and has, you know, 
throughout her career. And that's a big reason of why she inspires me so yeah. much. Yeah. And just thinking about that time, the kind of M- Missy and Timbaland sound that was, it sounded like something from a different planet, like, yes. especially compared to, like you said, compared to the other music that was available at that time. Yeah. It was so fresh and so new. Like I remember listening to uh, One in a Million, the Aaliyah album. Yeah. And I think that was when I first was really aware of them uh, as a mm-hmm. writing and production team. Okay, yeah. And just the sounds that would get thrown into songs and the way that verses were delivered and just like so much experimentation and that sound kind of became the sound of hip hop and R&B. It um, did. It it ran the airways for a for a I Aunt Polly till Kanye came yeah. around. Well, no, yeah. let me let me uh, I think 50 Cent came through 2005, mm-hmm. shifted it a bit, then Kanye came. And I, you know, I do think also, you know, not every not every track was a hit and that's like also cool and fine yeah, you know yeah. um i think that the bigger point was like she just created this this space also at the time like to be a woman in music seemed to be again on the outside like ju- you had to be overtly sexual um mm-hmm. i mean like lil kim and i love lil kim but like lil kim's out there you know playing a certain role there was a lot of people kind of following that you know that process and Missy Elliott was just in her own, just in her own space. And mm-hmm. I found that to be so, like, so refreshing. Yeah. Her love for dance, too, was, another, mm-hmm. like, her music videos. She was, she was a full package. She yeah. just, she took a great song, matched it with incredible visuals, just, like, gave you a sense of joy. Like, it was a party mm-hmm. when you listen to Missy Elliott tracks, so. Yeah. Yeah. And finding collaborators for her videos, people who understood that, she wasn't afraid to be weird or to really experiment, really like do, do things that people weren't doing yeah. um, in any other videos, but in particular in, in hip hop, yes. um, that there had, you know, there was a standard for what a hip hop video should look like. Yes. And she completely rejected that, just turned everything on its head. Yes. Um, and it was also not necessarily even developing a through line from one video to the next for herself, like yeah. always trying to push herself to do something completely different and come out with just wild, insane imagery. Yes. Um, that's totally un- unforgettable. Um, right. Yeah. And the art's the, and the art is the point. She was, she wasn't afraid to, to get a little ugly for it. And I mm-hmm. think that's that again, I feel like the past couple of years have, open more doors for that experience to happen. But what a risk it was for women, to, for someone to be like, I'm not going to be pretty in this mm-hmm. and hope I, my career <laughs> keeps going. I mean, it's, that's, it sounds silly, but it was a big, it was a big deal. And I guess you don't realize how much that impacts you and, you know, until later in life, but she really, it was all about the art. What makes the coolest video? What makes the most interesting experience? Um, I, I like that was her, you know, uh, navigating star. And I think, it's, it's proven to really inspire a lot of artists, you know, yeah. who are out now. Yeah. And uh, even, even now, like, I think, um, there's more room for different ideas of what it means to be a woman in hip hop. But when you see the people who are the most successful, it's still, you know, Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and people like that who do subscribe to that, like sexy image yeah. and yeah. wanting to be a kind of yeah. video girl, but as a lead. Right. Um, Who I love. I love uh, me too. Both those me ladies. too. And like, I'm not, I'm not shitting on. <laughs> right. On, right. No, uh, no, any oh, of that. Like, never. No, no. Um, and I also don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, 
that end of the spectrum either. It's Absolutely just like, not. Um, it was this different, completely different energy, completely different vibe. And coming from somebody who was equally, if not more comfortable in her own skin, doing something that was kind of the antithesis of what was expected of, of women who were rapping. Right. Um, right. I mean, breaking gender norms on no matter on whatever side you're on is, is interesting and wonderful because it just opens doors for other, there's so many artists, yeah, that come up through, uh, through the gates now. Like, I mean, who am I thinking of? Like Tierra Whack, you know, Young MA and like, you know, these artists who have a little bit more space because you know, of Missy. Yeah. I, I actually don't know that she was super confident. I mean, if you see her interviews, like she's, she's a very humble and shy individual. And it's like, but she just had something in her that like pushed her to create and yeah. do. And Or I, I mean, I guess even be just being able to project yes. an image yes. of yes. Um, like complete confidence. Yeah. Even if that wasn't how she was feeling. Yeah. Um, just a straight up artist. Yeah, yeah. 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 She owned, she owned her space. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I love now, I love following her on Instagram. Um, I don't know if you follow her yet. Everyone should follow Missy yeah, Elliott yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. But I, I mean, again, her support of, of the dancing community, um, of the artist community, you know, obviously she's promoting herself because we all should, Mm -hmm. but I mean, she's, she's really, she always seems to be such an advocate for, for the art, which is so fun, you -hmm. know? And I feel like, like also leads the way for others. It's, it's really not all about her. She really just seems to like love this art form so much. And there's just something really pure about that, that, you know, it's like, how can you resist? Yeah. Also, uh, getting to see her little like handwritten notes that she puts on, and she yeah. has, she has excellent handwriting. She does have excellent handwriting. So. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's interesting that you should uh, that you mention uh, people like Tierra Wack, who I think like feels like a natural successor. Like yeah. I can see a uh, you know the linear path from mm-hmm. from Missy to Tierra Wack, mm-hmm. and in some respects, I think Tierra Wack is even more bizarre. Like her videos just go you know they're the one with the potatoes. Um, oh, like, yeah. My friend Kat Solon directed that. So amazing. Yeah. So brilliant. I know. And that's, uh, oh, Missy, if you ever listen to this podcast, we're also available. <laughs> I, that is, I mean, it's a dream. Well, like, right. She works with, um, oh, what, what was it? Where are you from? The video where she had the, her puppets, her marionette puppets oh, yeah, with yeah, Pharrell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, why didn't we get to do that? <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and my, but I think, like she is the next generation and my hope is like this is how it goes you need that pioneer who breaks through the doors and gives that space I mean just like Lil Kim gave space to Nikki and Cardi and then they make their own space for the next gen I mean that's what's beautiful and it's like we don't have if we don't have that representation you know for women then then we do feel siloed there's just whether you know it or not you're subconsciously siloed into the thing you're you think you're supposed to do Right. You know, and so I feel like there's always a little bit of flack when people come out in the beginning. Um, I know people like Missy got flack for, you know, who she was when she started. But and then all of a sudden you're a legend. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just keep doing your work and your art. So yeah. Yeah. and having substance to back up the image as well. Oh, my it's God. Like, you know, it was uh, incredible imagery, incredible videos, incredible style. But the you know, she had the songs. Right. The um, songwriting, the producing. Yes. Yeah. And yes. after the first album, it was like, you know, that felt like this kind of lightning in a bottle. And you always think, like, is somebody going to be able to continue that success? And it was just like, you know, as you said, it's not like the, every album was perfect. And there, there, there's, there's some filler there. But um, every album had insanely incredible singles. Yeah. And again, just pushing the boundaries of like what, what she 
you know, the, the imagery that she could create, striving to like innovate and, um, you know, really always dazzling people with everything that she did and still, I mean, still does. Yeah. She's like, she's like an anchor in, mm-hmm. in so much of the industry and so much of that, that genre. Like you think about the song ladies night, you know, where it made all these incredible women on their own, right? Yeah. Like performing and everyone's got a verse and like Missy comes in and she's, I mean, really like kind of under the radar in her tone, but there's, you, it's like you stop and you're like, that's a Missy Elliott song. And you just yeah. like, you hear her and it's like, she's the, almost like the mother hen of it all. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, and it's so, maybe there's the, maybe that's the comfort thing again. Hmm. Now that I say it, maybe it's just, it's like something about like some, someone's taking care of the industry, you know, mm-hmm. someone's keeping, like keeping that, that art form going and like encouraging artists to be involved. I don't know. There's something about her that at least does that for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm so inspired by her. Yeah. And it is like outside of all of that talent and all the incredible work that she's produced. She also, you know, I don't know, people's public personas are one thing and she could be something completely different in private, but right. she always strikes me as somebody who I like, I would want to be friends with. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And I don't ever want to get to know any of my idols too much because yeah. yes, because no one's perfect. But yes, I agree. Yes, mm-hmm. she's humble. She is an individual. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe her. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to just leave it at you working on her next video and um, yes. she Thank can you. come on yeah. this podcast. And, Perfect. And we don't need to have any real personal relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strictly right. professional, but, yeah. but call me Missy. Yeah, please. if you're listening, Missy, <laughs> uh, we're available. Yes. Um, great. I feel very happy. Um, I think we've uh, had a... A nice chat. Do you feel satisfied? I hope so. <laughs> I hope uh, I. I hope I gave you some, you did. some nuggets of you things did. and didn't you talk did. too fast. No, no, this tendency. was perfect. Oh, this good, was great. Um, if people listening want to find out what you're up to and check out your work, uh, what's the best place to do that? Yeah, they can go to our website, mightyoakgrows.com, uh, or check us out on Instagram. Lots of cool puppet videos, behind the scenes, uh, shots of how we make our magic happen. Great. Um, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you. Is it just awesome? I said it before, but I'm going to repeat myself because it's important. Seek out her work. It's so amazing. You won't be disappointed. Okay. Some recommendations. Firstly, let's talk about Oscar movies for a sec. I saw 1917 over the weekend, and it is fucking ace. I sometimes get a little bit of a war movie fatigue. It can feel like you're watching carbon copies of the same story over and over again. I kind of feel that way about westerns, too. It really takes something special to get me excited. Well, kids... 1917 is that something special. It's filmed in such a unique way. I mean, I think it's pretty common knowledge that it's meant to look like the whole thing was filmed in one continuous take. And that feat is beautifully executed. But the story is so exciting too. It's more like a thriller than a war movie. It's so intense. And the acting is incredible, particularly from George McKay. You heard it here first, folks. That kid is going places. Anyway, I need to talk to you about a trailer for a movie as well, because it's a movie that I'm dying to see, and it's also my dream trailer. Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, who wrote Bridesmaids Together, have written and are starring in a movie called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, and I cannot wait for it. 
But the trailer is just these weird random flashes of bits of the film. Absolutely no plot is revealed. And then you see their foreheads as they're talking in these Midwestern mom accents about what the trailer for a film about them would look like and how they wouldn't give away any plot or even show their faces. I fucking love it. No spoilers, just hinting at the possibility of hilarity. And frankly, I would watch Kristen Wiig read a menu. So I'm sold. But you can't find that trailer online anywhere. So you're just going to have to stumble on it when you see a movie in the theater. Okay? Okay. And... That's about it. Please follow me on social media at Spark Parade and tell your friends to do it too. And please rate and review the show wherever you stream or download it. It really helps get the old word out. And that's it, you guys. You've been such good listeners this week. Seriously, you all deserve medals. Have a super fun week. Until next time, bye. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.